Week number two of the King series. We're so glad you're here this morning. Won't you look over at somebody sitting next to you and tell them welcome to the bridge. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, glad you're here. It seems that there's more cars and trucks in the parking lot than there is people inside. I don't know if everybody rode separate, mad or what, but <laughs> you pull in out here and you're parking down in the grass. You walk in and say, well, there's seats left in here. Maybe they're all kids. Who knows? Um, but we are glad you're here. Enjoyed uh, last week and in, in talking about uh, leading up and setting the foundation for this series, um, the, the King. But it's about the rise and fall of King Solomon, and we asked you last week to begin reading through the book of Kings and uh, follow along the journey with us as we... Uh, go through this series and try to glean some truth, uh, some understanding, and uh, prevent ourselves from falling in all of King Solomon's paths, because there's some good things that you need to follow that he did, and there's some bad things that he did that you need to say, I don't want to do it that way, because it leads to destruction, and that's not a good place to be. But the path of Jesus that he has for your life is a path that leads to success and all the things that he desires for you. King Solomon uh, was a very wise individual. And um, in week one, I, I want us to look at as we go through and, and study this that we'll see um, a couple of different topics that as we go through uh, today some things that we want to glean truths from this portion of the scripture in 1 Kings. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and start turning there to 1 Kings. But we want to talk about kingship and obedience and about having a pure heart and commitment. So that's the things that we want to discuss today uh, in this topic that we're going to look at today on King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 3. Um, I'm going to see if I can make my phone read it so I don't have to. Would that be okay? I, I, I don't know if you've ever done that. With Does everybody have the Bible app on your phone? It's a little brown Bible app, Holy Bible. It's pretty simple. It's just literally a little brown Holy Bible. Um, if you don't have it, I'd encourage you to get it. I, I like studying with the Blue Letter Bible. That's the one I like studying off of that app. But um, the Bible app, I see a lot of the teenagers use it, and Dusty and Albie are... Uh, always um, show them and guide them and lead them through how to use it. There's different study guides in that Bible app that you can do uh, topical studies. Uh, you can invite friends to read certain things with you and watch certain things with you and do it together, that you can uh, bounce stuff back and forth off of each other. And that's always a good thing because Jane just figured it out. That's exactly what I want to do, Jane. <laughs> or well, that's your mom, in case you don't know. Yeah, but... It does it itself. It's it is really amazing, and I, if you've never done that, uh, I would encourage you to get it too. <laughs> Jr. Helper, uh, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you can just hit the pause if uh, I believe, or that's why I I do it. But I know how technology is. Everybody knows how technology is, right? It does what it wants to do. Uh oh, daughter-in-law's come to save the day. 
Well, that's the beauty of the app is that you can pull up whatever scripture you want and then literally hit the play button and it'll read it to you. So the cool part is while you're taking your shower, if you are in a rush that morning and don't have time to read your scripture and you woke up late and whatever and you're taking your shower or your bath or what, whatever method you like to clean yourself, I don't want to sit in swamp water, so I'd rather take a shower myself. You can take all the baths you want. I'll stand up and let it run off and run down the drain. You guys are laying around in it. There's something wrong with that. Um, just saying. Uh, it's kind of personal opinion, I guess. But um, but when you hit play, it'll just start um, reading it to you. So if you like a male voice, you can pick a male voice. If you like a female voice reading it to you, you can pick that. So it's different. It's, it's a sign. It's a sign that it's working in your favor. So... Um, I know that it's just a, it's a beautiful thing to help people um, get to read Scripture. Maybe that you don't have time to do it. You're sitting at your desk. Maybe you're riding in a skitter. Maybe you're driving in a dump truck, log truck. We all have time. It's what are we doing with it. Amen? So this would be a good tool to use. So the more Scripture you get in you, the more you're going to live that out. I assure you that. And the Bible says that God will write the scripture upon the tablets of our heart. And it's one thing to have it in your lap on a book. It's one thing to leave it on the counter. It's one thing to leave it on the coffee end table and have that Holy Bible sitting there to represent that you believe and you're a God-fearing person. But it's a whole other thing when God writes it on the tablets of your heart and it changes how we act. And that's what I want, don't you? I desire that, that God would change me from the inside out, that I would live his word as my truth. So I'm going to try to let this thing read it here, and we'll see how, how that works. Jane beat me to the punch, but we're, we're going to do it. At that time, uh -oh. the people Christ, their offerings at local places of worship for a temple honoring the name of the Lord had not yet been built. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O oh Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? 
the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. What a beautiful, beautiful story of how that when things change, it brings an uneasiness to our lives when God switches it up. So this young boy had grown up in King David's house that we talked about last week, David who killed Goliath. He had had some of the best teachers. I'm sure that King David had made sure that he was prepared and and poured into him, and he had all the knowledge of the world and the way things operated and worked. But it's one thing to have that knowledge in here. It's a whole other thing to have it here. I can go to college and get degrees and have more de degrees than a thermostat, but if I can't do anything with it, it don't mean anything. And I'm not putting down college degrees. Kids, go get a college degree. The numbers and the st statistics are in your favor to have more success with a college degree. You don't have to have it, but it can't hurt. And I'd rather be wise with knowledge than wise with stupidity because I've acted out a lot of stupidity. My wife says amen. And sometimes those dreams come. Anybody have dreams? Anybody a dreamer? And in those dreams, you know, sometimes some of them are bad dreams. Some of them are good dreams. I woke up there the night or in the morning, you know, and it felt like the dream just was one of them things that just went on and on and on. And, and Leslie had filed for a divorce, and she was taking my house that she just done all this work to. And I was like, this is falling apart here. I'm... It's going to be bad. And it, my heart was palpitating when I woke up. I was like, wow. I thought we was a little tighter than that, but I guess not. And uh, next thing you know, I, I woke up and it was like I was startled. And I went in there and I said, are you divorcing me? <laughs> no, why? I said, I, must have been a dream. I'm glad it was a dream. And I, I really don't want a divorce because uh, divorces are tough. They're uh they're hard, and they're not easy to get through. I've witnessed too many of them in my life, and I want to make sure, if at all possible, that I prevent that from happening through my actions, my words, my deeds, 
and my commitment to my wife. Love you. It's a true statement. Sometimes we just need to say it rather than just uh, thinking they know it. <laughs> That's why I'm trying to make it right. Maybe I'm preventing the divorce, Joe Don. Come on. I had a dream for a reason. So, men, take this lesson from Pastor Ben. Tell him you love him. Just look over him right now. If you got your spouse sitting there beside of you, say, I love you. If you got a sibling sitting there beside of you, say, I love you. I love you, Netta. I love you, Howard. It's my peoples. Love you, Mama. Happy birthday, Bonnie. JR, you got a lot to make up for, so you better, you better say it more than once. Um, just saying. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> He's got to earn it back, don't he? <laughs> There's nothing in Scripture that says we can't have fun in church. Lighten up a little bit, folks. If you're not laughing, you need to laugh. Uh-oh, picked on that poor baby. I can't believe it happened. Rick, quit pinching her. So Solomon, King Solomon, what an uh, awesome uh, testimony of his life through the beginning years and uh, uh, of understanding the history and all that. But King Solomon, like I said, was the person that grew up um, gaining a lot of earthly knowledge. And I'm sure he had lessons on leadership and how the kingdom worked and the principles and the the core values and the mission statement of the nation of Israel. And King David, I'm sure, taught him about war and how you win battles and how you fight and how you make decisions, whether you pray to God or ask the prophet to come and speak on a subject for you. And I'm sure that David led him through a lot of stuff. But here it comes that as David passes away, King David, Solomon inherits the kingdom because he's a son and he has birthrights. And those birthrights are there, but another son had just tried, as King David was sick in his bed and couldn't lead anymore truly, but he was still alive. And it even says that he didn't have heat in his body, and, and the children of Israel and all those that took care of King David were trying all these different things, and some of them not so good things, to get him worn back up and get him back on the path to health. But as he's laying on his deathbed, one of his older sons decides, I'm just going to go ahead and take the kingdom. It's mine. I don't care what daddy says. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that son goes out and he sets up and throws a big party and has all the friends come over and starts to announce to everybody, I, I'm, I'm the king now. King David's still in there and he's still alive. He's still breathing air, but he can't really, he's not fit for duty, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to fix some things. Me, myself, and I, is not a good combination. The Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen? So leave me, myself, and I out of it. We need to lean on Him and His understanding and His ways and His timing to set us up or tear us down or do with us as He wishes. Paul said, I die daily. It's a morning routine that you should wake up and say, I am going to die to myself today that I'm no longer living for my own agenda, but I'm going to live his purpose today. And this older son ends up, you know, it becomes a, a battle, and he ends up dying, and it, it's just a bad situation because he got out of step 
with God's plan. And when you get out of step with God's plan, you need to understand it's not going to fare well for you. It's his plan, his agenda, it's his world. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This is all his. Now, you might have a little bit of dominion, and you might have a deed to your house, and you might have a title to your car, and you might have all these things that you think belongs to you. Let me tell you something right now. He can wake you up tomorrow morning and make you eat grass down on the corner of the hillside and not able to speak because that's who he is. He is all-powerful. Amen. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. You can't hide from him. Amen. And he's omnipresent. He's always there. Always. There was another king in Scripture that did that, that thought he was going to do what he wanted to do, and he put the children of Israel in captivity, and he ended up, what I just said, it says like cattle, eating grass out of the field. He's a king, but he's come so low that he's down there chewing on grass in a field. Book of Daniel, look it up. Don't try God. Kingship is a big deal. And kingship on this earth doesn't mean you're king of him. It means he's given you a little bit of authority for a season. Amen? And as pastor, I understand this. I didn't ask to come here. I didn't want to come here. Try to pastor your mom. Try to pastor your sister that knows more than you. Try to pastor your brother. Tough stuff. If I could have chose where I wanted to go, I had a lot of choices I was trying to make, didn't I, Leslie? I had some churches. I was trying to go pastor. Because we had stopped pastoring. We had took about a year off, and there's places I wanted to go. But the second that the pastorship here come and Sister Linda had done a good job and, and so many of the people that had kept the fire burning here at Bethesda for a long time and Sister Garth the beginning all of it. But there come a day where the people called and said, won't you come? I was like, nah, I don't think so. I kind of like Middlesboro. I like southeastern Kentucky better than up here on the river. Pastor Wells calls, says, won't you come up and preach? If nothing else, just fill in. So we come up on that week. Ammon was here. He's one of the old-timers now. Love you, Ammon. Old-timer Ammon. Leslie's always said Ammon's got an old soul. It's like he's an old man. He was... 70-year-old. Yeah, he was in high school and acted like he was 70. <laughs> and that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> I've seen some of the opposite. Um... And as we came and we ministered that first week and, and Pastor Wells said, well, you need to just come back the second week. And we come back the second week and with that come a letter from Pastor Joe Girdler that said, you're now the pastor at a church in eastern Kentucky known as Lewis County. And I'm thinking, that's my home turf, man. That's where I went to high school. That's where I know people. I don't know that that's the right fit, Jesus. Anybody ever, you're looking at me like I'm the only one that's ever told him no. Is there anybody else ever in here that said, I want to do it my way? If we're honest, right? As we came and things happened and there's been seasons that we've been through ministry here at this church and, and it's all a season. 
Can I tell you that life is a season? The Bible says that life is but a vapor. It's here for a little while. Then it goes away. You've seen a vapor, haven't you? Vapors go in there when a cloud happens, and it just dissipates and it's gone. That's what our lives is like. I'd like to have a sticker too. Life is short. Make the most of it. King Solomon, I think, understood that. But with all this training, with all this understanding, with all this education, with all these things, and, and he had a really good dad. King David was a good dad to Solomon. And he's the baby. And we know how the babies go, right? Anybody in here the baby? Or Mary, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, we got some over here. Yeah, yeah, Val, big baby. That's what you are, a bunch of big babies. Ned is here. Why don't you raise your hand? You're the baby. Brimley's the baby. There's babies all around us. Big baby. Isn't Alex a big baby? He's a big baby. I thought so. He is a big baby. He's a really big baby. He's six inches taller than me. And sometimes when you're the big baby, some reason God just uses big babies. All through Scripture, look it up. You're going to find case after case after case where God uses the big baby. And sometimes in our natural minds, we think the oldest... And Scripture even talks about the oldest. But there's a lot of cases where the big baby gets preference. And that's okay. Amen. So if you've got a big baby sitting there beside of you, just reach over and give him a big hug and say, I love you, you big baby. There's a whole lot of love going on in here. Amen. So when the story happens here that we're listening to this, that Solomon takes over, he's, he's at this point, and he's now the king because he possesses the kingship. They placed a crown on his head. He gives these big offerings. that talks about a thousand offerings. And, and sometimes we need to offer some things to God. Amen. Amen. Number one, your life. The best thing that you can give him is your life. Amen. I give you my life. I give you my will. I give you all of me. Because when we do that, that's when God shows up and begins to do some things. So in his offerings, and as these occasions are happening, that Solomon does this before everybody. It's not something that he's hiding in a closet doing these offerings. He's out in the street doing this amongst all of Israel. And he's setting a precedence for Israel to say, I'm going to be a king that offers all of this to our God. And that should be known, and it should be something we're proud of, that I'm a Christian. Amen? I'm bought by the blood of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen? I'll proudly proclaim that. And it's seasonal, and I'm not saying browbeat people. I'm not saying take your Bible and beat people over the head with it and tell them how bad they are. They know. Amen? They know. The Bible says our conscience is there. And conscience means with knowledge. We know right from wrong. We're born with a knowledge to know right from wrong. Usually, we lean towards the wrong. Amen. Amen? As I've said so many times here, you don't have to teach your kid to say no. 
It's on autopilot. Amen. The minute that some of the first words he's learned, they might like, Mama, Dada, Hat. And instantly thereafter, no. A long time before they learn yes. Why? Because they're telling you no about everything. Go over and sit in the corner. No. Share your toys. No. Right? That's how it works. It's humanity. That's with knowledge. We have that inherent in our lives just by being human. God gave it to us, a knowledge to know right from wrong. Adam and Eve, in the beginning, in the garden, chose the wrong path. So in this happenstance that he offers these offerings to God, what's it say in the next verse? He goes and lays down after a long day of sacrifice, a long day of giving it all to God, a good Sunday message, a good Sunday, a day of rest, the Sabbath. And it says he goes and lays down, and what happens? God shows up. If you want God and need God to show up in your life, start offering him your life. Start offering him parts and pieces of you that you've withheld from him and see if he don't show up. He has pleasure when his children offer him the parts of their lives that they wish to hold the most. So as Solomon lays down and goes to sleep after these offerings, the dream comes, and what's the dream? Ask me whatever you want. What do you want? And God knows how to try the motives of our hearts. He knows us from the inside out. He knows every part of you. There is no hidden corner that he has not saw. And when you open that up, and he'll come and he'll test you. Amen? He'll test you. And when he asked Solomon, what do you want? Solomon didn't prepare for this, an answer for this question. God hit him. What do you want? And the purity of his heart. And that's something that we're talking about, the pure heart that King David had. King David was a man after God's own heart. He was somebody that desired God. It came through his son Solomon. And Solomon met with this question, has to answer, what do you want? And imagine the God that owns it all asking we little bitty old me, what do you want? In the same way that he did ask Solomon that, I truly believe he's asking you that. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. It's Romans 2.11 if you want to know where it's at. He's no respecter of persons. He loves you as much as he loves me. And he loves your neighbor as much as he loves you. God's love is boundless. It's endless. The reserve is full. And he has enough to go around. But Solomon met with this question has to answer. Well, what do I want? How many likes having a question thrown on you that you haven't thought about yet? Don't that stink? It's like, really, God? I'm trying to sleep right now. You're going to ask me this? What do you want? Uh, a Lamborghini? Uh, you know, when you're a kid, it's like you're 16 years old, you're thinking all this, and you end up with a Camry or a broke-down piece of junk. You had a Taurus. Come on. It was a grocery 
It's a grocery getter tar, so I know. I've heard the stories of you wrecking it. Yeah, I know all about it. I've been around. Leave me out of this. This is about you right now. Um, <laughs> look at your neighbor and say, what do you want? What do you want? That's a big question. What do you want? So in an instant, Solomon has to decide, what do I want? God's asking me a question, what do I need to do? Answer. So in his answer, give me the knowledge of how to lead your people. You've made me king. I don't want to be king. I didn't desire to be king. I didn't ask to be king. But here I am, king. So if you've given me this, and I'm sitting here with a crown on my head, and I'm sitting in this pretty big chair in the middle of Israel, and everybody's looking to me for answers, give me knowledge of how to lead your people. Everybody in this room, whether you realize it or not, you have leadership within you that God has given you charge over something. Whether it's your home, whether it's your children, whether it's your grandchildren, he has given you leadership positions, and you may not understand it, and you don't even know what it means, and you don't know how to do it, but he's given you positions that is, was his to give you. So in the midst of that leadership, you better rely on him. If you're sitting in this room today, and maybe you are the CEO of your company, maybe you are the head of a department, maybe you are whatever title you get, you better stop depending on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Amen. The book of Psalms, lean not on your own. Trust in him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will bless you. Amen. So whatever position you end up with, you need to understand today, I need to look to him for the answers of how to lead whoever he's given me a position with. And it's, it's dumbfounding to me, my life. I don't deserve to stand here before this body and deliver these messages. I don't have the capability. I don't have the, the, the education. But God calls who he wishes. And when he places you in positions, you better lean on him. And I'm not leaning on myself right now because if I give you my knowledge, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And if you don't believe I made mistakes, I can go back and name them, a bunch of them. As I've said, there's a wake behind me. I've caused hurt. I've harmed people. Even when I didn't mean to, I had good intentions of an ideal that I thought was the right thing to do. And guess what? It turned into a mess because I didn't listen to God. I did it my way. And when you do that, people get hurt, and that wake is behind you. We need to lean into him and say, what is the solutions to these problems that I'm facing? Because when you're in leadership, I assure you this, there's plenty of problems to go around. And if you think there's none, there's one brewing behind the scenes. Amen? I didn't ask for this. But it's what he has me doing. And there's seasons for that. I told somebody there the day at work, as we was talking about some church stuff, and I was like, there's seasons. The Bible says that there's seasons. There's times and seasons for everything, King Solomon said. Ecclesiastes. And these seasons that we go through, 
We just need to lean in and say, God, if you give me a position of leadership or you have me in this, this uh, title that you've given me, I want it to be honoring to you. So whatever position you're in, it doesn't matter what the title is. Everybody has leadership. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a leader. <laughs> J.R., you're a leader, whether you want to be or not. You can't opt out. It's part of what God does. But he uses the least so many times among us, just like King David that I told about last week. And it makes no sense of why he would choose the one that was out in the shepherd's field that had never fought a battle, that had never done war, that had never done all those things. But who did God anoint? David. This is King Solomon's daddy. Solomon, the least of the children, the baby, the big baby, probably wasn't prepared. That's a good thing. That's who God chose. So here he is, is in kingship, and he wakes up in this dream, and God gives him this clarity and says, okay, now that you've asked me, what do you, when I ask you what do you want, and you replied, give me knowledge of how to lead your people. Now because you asked something for others, come on, somebody. Now when you've asked something to help somebody else, that when God says, what do you want? Well, I want to help you to help me help others. Amen. Bless me so I can bless others. I wish there was somebody up in this church that would say, bless me so I can bless others. I don't want to consume things. I don't want to hold things. I don't want a great big bank account and leave it setting for somebody someday. Bless me so I can bless others. Amen. Make me a blessing to my society, to my neighborhood, to those around me that doesn't have what I have. Make me a blessing. When King Solomon answered that question correctly, guess what happened? Automatically, God said, now that you've asked the right thing, I'm going to bless you with that and this. Amen. He has more than you have. I promise you, he has enough to pour through you to get to somebody else and bless you too in the midst of that. So King Solomon gets this blessing, and I'm sure it's just overwhelming, but even in that dream, it says, I'm going to give you all this. Then he's got an if in there. There's always an if. I'm going to do this for you. A lot of times in scriptures, there's a but too. But. You need to look for those words when you're reading through this book. I'll bless you if you continue to keep my commandments. My blessings will remain upon you if you do what I ask you to do. And a one-time decision doesn't solidify it for eternity. It's a continuation. He is going to continue to bless you as you do the right things that he's asked you to do. He is continually blessing you if you stay according to his word, according to his plan. So a pure heart is needed, and we've got to commit that to God. My pure heart, we need to make it a commitment to God that this is my pure heart, and I truly want to help others. Are you sitting in this place today and you would like to help others? To come to a knowledge of God? The history of Israel is one filled with God's display of blessings, love, and protection, as well as heartache, discipline, and wrath toward rebellious people of the nation rebellion 
the Bible says, is as a sin as witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And that's sad. That sometimes in our rebellion, we might as well go out and practice witchcraft. We might as well go get us a Ouija board. We might as well go out and just do all these things. Get us some tarot cards and start throwing them out and letting people tell them what they're going to do with their life. By a bunch of ignorance of the things of this world. We don't need any more information than what's right here in this book. We don't need any more boards to tell us what to do. we got a God that wants to talk to us individually, one-on-one, and speak into your heart and say, yes, no, maybe, or wait. Amen. And as we hear his voice, he will not withhold it from us. He has good pleasure in having a relationship with you individually. But these kingships and this leadership and this stuff that's happening with, with King Solomon, and you need to think about this, that sometimes you feel, I'm not up to the task. I'm not equipped. I've had a lot of training. I've had a lot of earthly knowledge. I've had a lot of teachers. But here I am in the midst of the situation, and when it lands in your life, you're like, I'm not ready yet. Come on, somebody. When God gives you something to do and you're sitting there thinking, well, I, I think Aunt Sally would be a lot better than me. Uncle Tom's a whole lot better Christian than me. He needs to be one to go witness. And God says, oh, you go knock on their door. But I'm not equipped. I don't know all your scripture. And I can't quote all the words. Guess what God's saying? I didn't ask you if you was able to go. I asked you to go. I didn't ask you whether you was prepared or not. He didn't say, are you equipped yet or not? He said, go. And if you go knock on that door, I promise you, he's already prepared their heart for the words you're getting ready to speak because the Holy Spirit will speak through you as his word says. He'll give you a word in due season. They don't need to hear from Uncle Tom or Aunt Sally. They need to hear from you. He knows what he's doing. So don't feel ill-equipped because I assure you, you're sitting in a room full of people ill-equipped. And there's people in this room that, that, that God has blessed you and he's put things in your hand. And the most important things, I think, are these little kids. School teachers in the room. I, I, there's no greater leader on anything. I'm sitting here preaching to a choir of a bunch of old-timers. Most of you's not going to change. According to statistics, most likely you're not going to change. We're pretty hard-headed. But them little babies, those little kindergartners, those in elementary school, you got a chance that they're going to change something. And I'm not saying it's impossible. I, I watched people witness to my Uncle Roy, and he was up in the 70s, and I think even 80 years old, and people witnessed to Uncle Roy, and he'd lived a not-so-good life. And he lived it all for himself. Come to the end of his life, he's going to have to make a decision. Am I going to go to heaven or am I going to go to a devil's hell? And those people that had witnessed him and continued to witness them and knock on his door and say, Roy, you're a good man. You do a lot of good things. And yes, you've blessed some kids and you've thrown them some money and, and you've made sure they had food to eat and you've done all the right things, but that won't get you to heaven. Come on, somebody, that won't get you to heaven. You can't give your way into heaven. The only way to heaven is through and by the blood of Jesus Christ and that alone. It's the only sacrifice that will ever suffice what you need to get to heaven. Roy Foreman was his name. He's all over Garrison. People from Garrison probably remembers him walking up down the lane. That was my great uncle. 
up, or, up in age, and it's like, I don't know if he's ever going to do that. I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to give his life to God. A good man, good moral man. But guess what? That morality doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus is what matters. And he had to make a decision, what am I going to do with it? So as that happened, Uncle Roy one day decided, and Gene Miracle was involved, I think, he said, I've lived a good life, and I've done a lot of good deeds, and they ain't good enough. And I want to make heaven my home. And he made a decision in upper years of his life. It's never too late. Come on, somebody. Christians in this room, it is never too late to give him your life. As long as you've got breath in your body, he is looking to you and asking you, what do you want? I want heaven. Amen? And you know, Solomon could have said a lot of things there, and, and, and it even goes on to say, say that, that you could have asked for this, you could have asked for fame, you could have asked for fortune, you could have asked for this, you could have asked for that, but you didn't. You asked for something for somebody else. I think the best leaders that God places are not the ones that desire it, but are the ones he wants to use. And I promise you, I didn't ask for this. But I know, and I'm thankful for, that he uses us to do the things that he's asked us to do. I was talking to somebody last night at the van out at the middle school for shooting sports and raised, there's all kinds of money raised out there last night. And it helps kids and it's a good purpose and a good thing. And sitting over there talking to somebody and, And they know who I am. And they, they, I'm now Pastor Ben. <laughs> they got to talking about how good God is. And tears begin to well up in their eye. That's what it's all about. And my Pastor Benism, I'm nobody. I, I am nobody. And I know it. I graduated high school. I've told you too many times, unless they don't like me saying it, but i am like, got the microphone. I'll say whatever I want right now. I had a 1.8 GPA. Kids don't follow in my footsteps. You hear me, Mylon? 1.8 ain't going to cut it today. It's a little more lax back in the 90s. Do the best you can in school. Lean in and learn. It's better. But it don't stop you. You may be sitting here and say, I, I, I'm like you, Pastor Ben. I, I had a bad education experience and I wasn't a good learner. And had a hard time. Don't think God can't use you. Amen. And I was driving down the road this morning and I'm just sitting there thinking about this kingship and leadership. And God, God's put me in, in places that I had no business being. I'm currently in positions that I have no reason to be there other than that I am blessed and highly favored. Amen. Can anybody in this room attest? God has placed me in some places that I don't deserve, but it's his will and it's his way. And as I was driving down the road this morning, just thinking through the things that he's placed me in these positions, and I don't know why, 
and I feel ill-equipped when I walk in a room, and I walk in a room with people with all of them sitting there with suits on, me with blue jeans sometimes, and I'm sitting there looking like I'm not equipped to be in here, Rick. This is not my place. I'm out of place. But God says, you go when I tell you to go. A few years ago, the governor, the governor of Kentucky appointed me to be on the board at ACTC, a community college. I don't have a degree. I had a 1.8 GPA in high school. He must not have looked at my resume. Come on, somebody. But what does God want to do? It ain't what I want to do. I didn't want to do that job. I don't think I'm equipped still to do that job. But guess what? In, a, in, in that college, there's about eight folks that get to make a decision on whether we're going to do this or that. There's people that walk in there with some high influence and some high degrees. I'm sitting around with people with PhDs. And they ask me, say, what do you think? What do I think? What do you mean what do I think? You need to tell me what I'm thinking. <laughs> Amen? It's, it's, I'm telling you, it's that crazy. And, and I got that plaque, and, you know, the governor sends you this big thing, and his signature's on it, and you're, you're on the board at ACTC. And I'm not bragging to you to brag on me. I'm bragging on what God can do. This is places he placed me that I didn't ask for and I don't deserve, but because he equipped me to be there, even though I don't feel like it, he's the one called me to do it. I'm just a willing vessel to do what he's asked me to do. And I'm sitting there thinking, what? Are you serious? And that governor said, yeah, yeah, you're, you're it. And I walked in the room, and that Ph.D., the doctor, the president of the college said, you are the first one ever to come from the technical side to sit on the board of this college. And he said, you're going to bring a perspective that's never been brought in this room. And he said, you speak up, and you take your place, coming from a Ph.D. And Dr. Ferguson is one of the greatest leaders I know. He, he's got a doctorate in leadership. Get you some of that. I don't deserve to be in the room with that man. But a while back, I, I got a new position. And I was like, I ain't equipped. And I called Dr. Ferguson. I said, Dr. Ferguson, can you come down and take me through some organizational leadership? Will you give me an hour of your time? He said, why not two? I said, well, come on down. I'll feed you lunch. Amen? Amen. If you can get in a room with somebody like that one-on-one, you better buy him lunch. And I sat there and listened to him for two hours, go through and, and give me some perspective on some things that I didn't know how to do. There's wisdom yes, yes. in a multitude of counselors. Are you hearing me? Yes. Find you some people that are bigger, better, and faster than you and ask them some questions and get in a room with them and God will prepare a place for you to sit down at tables of kings that you think you don't deserve to be there. Right. He will place you in leadership. A few years later, a different governor comes in office. He don't know what the last governor did. We're talking about a little kid from Lewis County that grew up on Briary. Dumber in a box full of hammers. And now the governor of Kentucky, the first one, pointed me to a college. It's like, what are you talking about? But I'm so thankful that he saw fit to use me of what I think I'm not usable for. Because there's some kids out there that need somebody to sit in that room to say technical college is okay.
Technical school is okay. Not everybody has to have a doctorate. Not everybody has to have these big high fluting degrees. There can be some people walking in our community with 1.8 GPAs that can make a difference in this stinking world. Can somebody say amen? Is there anybody sitting in here that's got a GED that says, with God, I'll use it for his glory. I'll do what he's called me to do. I'll lead how he called me to lead. I'll do what he has me for me to do. The second governor said, we got a position that's chairman for the State Labor Relations Board. There's three people in the state of Kentucky on a board that ciphers through grievances that makes decisions of who's right and who's wrong. Am I equipped to do that job? Absolutely not. Not equipped at all. So what do you say? Yes, Mr. Governor. And that plaque's hanging on my wall in my office. I'm the chair of the State Labor Relations Board that gets to decide between right and wrong. I, it's crazy. The leadership positions, if you will just make yourself available. I ain't saying equip yourself. I'm not saying walk around puffed up. I'm not going around bragging about what I'm doing. I'm telling you right now, God is able to do his will. Whether you think you can, know you can, or wish you can, he's the one that can set you in places. I don't deserve it, but I need to do the best of my ability. When he places you there, do your job. Amen? Make sure justice is covered. That's your job is justice. We serve a just God. Amen? And he uses humans to do things. And he's asking you to lead. What are you going to do? What do you want? Where's he already placed you? You may be sitting here and saying, well, pastor, I don't know that I have a pure heart. I've given him pieces of me. I've given him a couple of rooms in my house. I haven't given my whole house. And you can walk in anybody's house, even the cleanliest of the cleanly. And somewhere in that house is a closet that you open the door and junk falls out. Amen. Amen. And that's the kind of cleaner I always was. Mom loved me. Clean your room. What'd you do? Go throw it in the closet. <laughs> Amen. You just throw it all in there. Hide it. Just hopefully when they come up there and say, okay, I'm going to check to see if you cleaned your room. Walk upstairs, just, just sitting there the whole time, little kid praying, oh, please, don't let them grab this closet door. Because junk's falling out. We're embarrassed of it, ain't we? Of our mess. Of our struggles. Of our sins. Of our disappointments to God. We're ashamed of them. And we think we can hold it in a room and him not know about it. You're sitting here today, he already knows. Maybe you've never given him your whole house yet. Even the front door. He ain't got access to that yet. Give him the key to your life and say, come on in. Don't hide from him. Don't run from him. Today's the day to make a commitment. Let's see if you'll play. You got music or what are we doing? Hmm. Yeah, I got a video, but I ain't playing it. We'll play it next week. It's a really good video, though. You want to come next week, I assure you. It's part of this.
This sermon's supposed to have six points, and I still want number one. But I think it's all good stuff. Amen. Did you get anything? Does God speak to you today? I hope he has. We're going to watch that clip next week from a movie and from a guy that didn't think he was good enough and thought he wasn't equipped enough, but he had a little tenacity in him to say, I'm just going to put my hand out anyway and grab a hold of the plow and I'm going to plow forward. And I'm going to try. You've got kids in this place today. I really believe God's calling you to lead your family well. Stop living your life for yourself and live your life for them. And pass it on. If you're leading at a place of work or if God's appointed you to help on school board, different things, student council, all, all the stuff that he can give you. The positions are for his purpose. Use them for his glory and see what he can do. Everybody here, just bow your head and close your eyes. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing or what they're thinking or It's between you and God. It's his individual. He's, he's getting down to the nitty-gritty, and he's asking you. Same as he asked Solomon. What do you want? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and that you would speak to hearts in this room. And for people here that's never given their lives to you, that they've never committed themselves, that they've been the kingdom, the king of their own kingdoms, and they've been disobedient and they've been committed to themselves and today in this place they can sense and know that today's the day that I I'm tired of struggling I'm tired of the pain I'm tired of, the, of, of all the things that I've done I'm tired of the wake that's behind me and Jesus I'm going to ask you to make it all alright because you can I'm going to give you my life because I'm tired of messing up. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of hurting. Holy Spirit, knock on heart's doors in this place just as you said. Jesus, you said that when you go away that you're going to send the Holy Spirit as a comforter, that he would be our guide and our teacher, that he would cause us to remember scriptures that has been spoken to us when we were kids for the people in this room that has attended Sunday school as little kids and you've lived your own life and now you're sitting here and, and you're up in age and maybe you're sitting here and thinking, man, I've made a mess of it. Jesus, you said that you would come and knock on our door. And if they would open, that you would walk in and that you would take us up with them, that you would sit there and have a relationship with them. Do what only you can do, Jesus. 
Holy Spirit, minister in this place. Nobody looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed. It's between you and God. I want to know how to pray for you as the pastor of this church. If you're sitting here today saying, I want to give him my life. I'm tired of messing up. And I'm ready to give in and say, not my will, but yours be done. Today's my day. I just want you to lift up your hand if you're sitting here. If you want to give him your life, today's your day. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. There's others in here. Today's your day. Just lift up your hand and say, I give him my life. Three different hands. There's others in here. You need to lift up your hand and say, today's my day. He's not on your heart story. Thank you for that hand. Another one. This is beautiful. I'm not going to call you out. We're not going to say your name. We're not going to do none of that. It's between you and God, but I just want to know how to pray for you. I give him my life. Is there others? Today would be a good day. Young, old, middle age, mess. It's all okay. He's just asking you. Is today your day? I give him my life. That's all you have to do. He's got the rest of it. It's not hard. Salvation is the easiest thing you'll ever do in your life. It's literally saying, Jesus, I give you my life. There's others in the room that maybe you've given your life before, but you're one of them ones that's got some closets that you need to clean out today. The Holy Spirit's knocking on your door saying, clean it up. Open the door and let me do what I do. I'll help you. Is that you in this place? You're a Christian today and you're saying, I need some help. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Thank you for that hand. Amen. Hands up everywhere. That's an awesome day in the kingdom of God. Is there anybody else in the room today that God has placed you in positions and you don't feel equipped and sometimes you question what he's doing? And today you're going to decide, I'm going to quit doing it my way. Whether that's leading your home, leading your kids, leading in a position at work, anything to do with leadership, and you're ready to commit what he's handed you today to do it his way. You're tired of messing up. Anybody in here, just lift up your hand and say, I want to do it his way. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Amen. Others, you're ready to give him your leadership and say, I'm tired of messing it up. I need his help. Let me fix some things. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, as the prayers of the saints are in this room today, that there's those, Lord, in this place that's giving you their life, that they're asking you to come in and they're opening up the front door and they're saying, come on in. Be in a relationship with me. And I want to feel your presence as I walk out the doors today. And I want to know that heaven's going to be my home because I've given you my life. 
For those that raise their hands for that, God, I pray that you would come flooding in right now, that the burdens on their life would be lifted. Lord, that they would literally, in this moment, in this instant, feel the weight of the world lifted off of their shoulders because that's what you do. For those that are in this place that said, I need to clean out some closets and I need some help, and the Holy Spirit has knocked on my heart's door, and he's asked me to clean some things up, and I'm asking him to come and help me do so. God, I pray today, let a cleanliness and a godliness come up over your people. And God, as they've committed themselves to you and they've asked for your help today, God, you said that you are our helper. And God, for those that lead, that sit in this room today and lifted their hand and said, I'm tired of doing it myself and making a mess. I need your help. God, I pray that you would equip them like they've never been equipped before. When you're asking them right now, what do you want? They're saying, I want you. And I want your ways. God, give them good success. Paint a clear image in their mind. If they're indecisive about some things going on at that place, God, give them direction like they've never known before. Set some things straight. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church says, Amen. Amen.